to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. Join us as we survey the land and discover the greatest companies and most profitable investment opportunities in Asia. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insights to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. Hey guys, today we are lucky, lucky to have my favorite female entrepreneur here in Hong Kong, Ashley, back on the show. Ashley is a Hong Kong-based entrepreneur, professional speaker, and vlogger. She's the founder of several startups, including social media agency Alaris and resources platform Chozen, and she runs the world's largest vlog, video log, about China, the China market consumers and social media on YouTube called Ashley Talks China. So if you recall, we had Ashley on back in November of last year. I believe it was episode 66. And she came on to talk about Chinese social media. And she just released a best-selling book on the same topic. So I wanted to get her on again to talk about the book. Now, Ashley has also very, very generously agreed to give away five copies of her brand new best-selling book to members of our audience. So thank you so much uh, for for that, Ashley, and uh, welcome to the show. Fantastic to be on the show, Jay, again. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited. And, uh, you know, I I must say, first of all, congratulations on the book. Uh, It's called Unlocking the World's Largest E-Market, A Guide to Selling on Chinese Social Media. I read it in two sittings, and the only reason that is because I had to take some notes in between. Uh, but it's a beautiful <laughs> book, and I know that you, uh, you know, for people that haven't written a book, uh, it writing a book is a very, very daunting task. I've written one book, and I'm not sure if I have another book in me. But uh, you did it in a remarkable time, and you also uh, were able to smash all sorts of records. So congratulations on your success there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was really fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, you, you you wrote it in a record amount of time. I think it was only a couple of months, right? Yeah, we uh, finished the book in three and a half months. So basically within three and a half months, we were able to publish it and already in the first week hit two Amazon bestselling lists. So that was, that was, again, a team effort. I have a fantastic team that supported me. I could have never in a million years done it just by myself. But, uh, yeah, with the right people, uh, you know, in your network for promotion and with the right people on your team, you know, to deal with all the nitty-gritties, uh, it's all possible. That's unbelievable. It's such a, <laughs> I can't believe it only took you three and a half months. It took me uh, almost a year. Uh, and and that I was told was was also uh, accelerated. Anyway, uh, so it's a beautiful book. Uh, very good job on the cover design. I love the orange. Uh, my book was actually orange color as well because I think that that stands out a lot uh, yeah. on the shelves and online. So uh, amazing. So I can't wait to dig into to the book. Um, but before we do that, maybe you can just take a quick step back and give our audience uh, a little bit of background on yourself. Those who are unfamiliar with what you do. Right. So I run a couple of companies here in Hong Kong, and uh, most of them focus on China and social media. So I've got an agency which is uh, doing social media in mainland China. So we help international brands to break into the China market. And at the same time, since about half a year ago, we started working with more Chinese companies that are going global, and therefore we do uh, social media marketing for them in the West. Um 
the other company that I have is a training and a strategy firm. And we basically prepare strategy for China. And we also train marketing teams. We come in and update the boards of large corporations on what's happening with China. So we make sure that they stay on top of it with the speed of, you know, of, of everything happening in mainland China. That's really important. So that's a training business. And uh, in the past um, year or a bit less than a year, I think right after we start, uh, we spoke last, I started focusing most of my time on actually doing personal branding and, you know, writing books and speaking at a lot of events. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started also a podcast. I started uh, this video log, as you mentioned, the video documentary series. So last year alone, I spoke at like 50 eight events, if wow. I'm not mistaken, uh, which is crazy. So yeah, right now I'm, I'm really focusing on that. And my major topics are, well, China. Uh, and I'm extremely passionate about that. I try to explain China to the Western world a bit more because people still are very, very confused and they have a lot of misconceptions. The second topic is uh, female entrepreneurship. So that's something very mm -hmm. close to my heart. And uh, I'll be speaking at TED um, just in a couple of months about it. So I'll be doing a lot more, you know, to help women here in Asia and globally to actually, you know, step up and uh, lead and uh, do amazing things. And the third topic is personal branding. So exactly what I did with the book, with right. video log, with blog, with all that stuff. I'm a, you know, I'm I'm on the same page with Gary V, who says that these days you do not have a choice. You need as an entrepreneur do personal branding and be good at it. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> well, you're certainly doing a great job at it because you are on fire everywhere I look. <laughs> I see, <laughs> I see you, and it makes me smile every single time because I I love I love it when my friends are very successful, and I know how hard you work and and all the hustle and grind that you put in. So thank you so much. Uh, Jay. It's awesome to see that. Um, so uh, so thanks for the, the the quick background, and and one other thing that I wanted to add is that. I think it's. Um, I love how uh, you are. You you are an expert in a market that uh, is not necessarily your home market, yeah. and I think that that's uh, that. A, it's very difficult to achieve that, and B, I think it also helps uh, when you are talking to foreigners that you are someone that has has been an outsider, but then you have gone in and you are now a pr practitioner within China, and so I think that it helps uh, get you know not only with your own. Uh, you know, with your own credibility, but you know, I think that it, it will probably lend uh, some confidence to your clients or potential clients. Uh, you know, in that uh, hey, you know, like it, China is very difficult, but if you have the right uh, guidance uh, with Ashley, then you can be <laughs> successful. No, absolutely, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let us uh, let's dig in. I I I want to. Um, you know, I want to try to maximize the time and the value that you're going to bring to the audience. Um, so last time we spoke uh, briefly about uh, social media marketing, and you kind of gave an overview, uh, a broad overview of a lot of the, the various, uh, you know, topics, you know, various channels of social media within China. So I want to uh, let's start very briefly. Uh, you know, let's talk about China, you know, obviously, uh, with a population of, you know, 1.3 billion, it's clearly the largest e-commerce economy in the world. Um, I, I just want to, you know, I mean, things change very quickly, as you just, you know, you alluded to earlier. I want to I want to just go over uh, how, where the landscape is now. And maybe we can start off. Uh, and you do the, a very good job of this at the beginning of your book. You talk about some of the common misconceptions that people have that who don't really know about China and broad generalizations that they make. So maybe you can start there and we can uh, get and you can give us a quick overview. 
Right. So in terms of generalizations, and a lot of people still look at China as uh, one market, right? So I think we spoke about it also last time. They feel that, okay, China, 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 we, we hear a lot about China. So if you decide to enter that market, let's just, you know, come in. China, in fact, is a collection of uh, separate markets. Yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit like Europe. So you need to choose your country within Europe, or in other words, you need to choose the city or province in mainland China that you actually want to target. People in first, second, and third tier cities behave extremely uh, unlike one another. And um, there are even social media platforms that are unique to, let's say, second and third tier cities. And people in first tier cities feel that they, you know, they're just below them and they shall never use those platforms so it's extremely it's an extremely diverse market which is very cool and very interesting but at the same time it adds a certain level of complexity the other huge misconception is that people still feel that china is all about cheap 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 you know cheap 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 and you know, <laughs> travel travel cheap uh you know buy cheap manufacture cheap and you know people do not have um you know this level of sophistication and that is that is this is just untrue. China Chinese consumers these days are the most sophisticated consumers. They are so digitalized. They live their life on mobile. They've seen good stuff. They've traveled across Europe. They've traveled across the states. They again, they, they uh, even Chinese companies that service them, not only international firms but even homegrown businesses, deliver high quality products and services for very low price. So they have very high standards. They're extremely demanding. Um, you know, they are fun. They are ready to try. Like, like for instance, in the US or in Europe, it's extremely difficult to get people on the new, let's say, app or new software or, right. you know, let them try something that actually impacts their lifestyle, not just, oh, let me buy a new gadget and then it's there in the box for half a year. <laughs> but right. in China, I mean, seriously, a friend of mine, uh, his grandfather is 93 years old and that 93-year-old uh, old gentleman orders his own cab through WeChat and pays through WeChat and, you know, like lives his life through mini programs and stuff, which is completely unthinkable. So um, a lot of businesses that I see that come to China, they, they they still feel that, okay, you know, they are a nation of copycats and okay, maybe they came right. up with a couple of, you know, weird um, uh, technological or like apps or technology uh, pieces that cannot be used anywhere else in the world. They do not understand that. In fact, China right now is already leading in many, many um, areas. Um, yes. And and in the coming three years, they're going to be dominating most of the um, most lucrative areas of you know technology, and that the government is on board, and businesses are on board. So. There's tons of misconceptions, uh, you know, in understanding the market, understanding uh, the, the consumers and, and understanding technology. So, and I think this is a big problem. Once you don't understand those three, you basically have no clue, right? That's right. Yeah. And I think that, uh, and, and to be fair, unless you live or travel into China and uh, and are fluent or you can read or you're, you have friends that are there, it, it's it's difficult to, to actually break in and, and realize how rapidly the uh, the consumer economy has grown and and matured, 
So uh, I think those those points are very uh, valid and they're very important. Now, uh, as far as current consumption trends or hot areas that Chinese people are spending money on, what what are some some of the hot areas now that that are that are should be focus points? Right. So China, China right now again, what I'm talking about here is probably first tier cities, just because it's easier, right? So we focus on basically Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, and and the first uh, a few top second tier cities. So those guys, I mean, entrepreneurship is very hot. Female entrepreneurship is very hot. So if you know anybody in China, then probably their friends or half of their family are in business. And right. straight after school, they go and set up companies. And they even have a term for, you know, startup entrepreneur lifestyle, which is called 996. Have you heard about oh, really? it? No, yeah. I haven't. <laughs> so 996 lifestyle, it means that uh, they work from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six oh, days. Oh, yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's yeah. true. I, so if you ask somebody like, what, what are you doing as a, what's your job? And then he tells you 996, that means he's a hustler. He's an entrepreneur who works. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know where I heard that from, Ashley? Uh, I actually read that from uh, Peter Diamandis wrote an article. I think it was Huffington Post or something after one of his trips. And he talks about 996. 996 but I, wasn't, right? I, I wasn't aware that that was actually uh, a thing, like, yeah. a, a, like a phrase, yeah. It's called Jiu Jiu Liu. So Jiu Jiu is 99 and then Liu is 6. So 996, right. if they tell you 996, that's it. You know what they are. So entrepreneurship is hot awesome. and, um, you know, that's, that's important to understand. So if you're launching products that are supporting entrepreneurs, that's, you know, that's, that's always good. Um, self-development is another thing. Yeah. So everybody in China is into education, but I'm not talking about education as of, you know, kids learning a language that's been there forever. I'm talking right. about developing skills, like communication skills, developing, I do not know, speed reading skills, programming skills, whatever skills that, that, that help helping them excel. So China is a very pragmatic market. It's a very, um, it's a very fast paced market. It's a very competitive market. Everybody wants to succeed. So if you can help them, get them closer to that goal, um, yeah, you, you have a huge opportunity there. Uh, it was actually funny, about two and a half years ago, everybody started uh, learning etiquette, you know, and how to behave at the table. Everybody <laughs> was doing that. It was like the huge thing. There were so many companies, there were so many apps just launching and teaching women, men, children. Right, so right now from that boom, it slowly uh, brought us here where people just invest in you know soft skills because China is all about hard skills. Um, besides that, of course, I mean, babies and food, these are two topics that are very hot in China, like throughout sure. Right. So uh, food from abroad, um, anything that comes from healthy countries like, I don't know, Australia, U.S., etc., and baby products, obviously. Um, um, I mean, a couple of funny ones, for example, cosmetics, right, and personal care. Uh, right now, the hottest thing in China, and you will be laughing, is skincare products from young males. And when I say, <laughs> when I say young males, they are from 14 to 25. No way, wow. So can you imagine that this is the fastest growing, global, fastest growing uh, cosmetic category? And wow. uh, I mean, obviously it has the impact, um, Korea has impacted them and um, sure. uh, Chinese, I think, market matured a bit, but young guys are just investing in themselves. Um, of course, traveling is another thing. So right now they don't travel to, you know, those mass destinations. So everybody you see in this mass destinations like Thailand or Hong Kong, even they 
they come from second uh, and third tier cities, sometimes even fourth tier cities. But I mean, first tier cities all go to unique destinations like Madagascar or Russia or, you know, something crazy. They really go on wow. private tours and they spend a lot of money on experiences, not just the products. So they're right. less, you know, product oriented. Um, they are also into guilt free status. Yeah, but I think we also spoke about it last time. So it's basically guilt free. It means whenever you consume a product or service, it's good for you, it's good for environment, and it's good for society. So that movement is you know is growing and um uh, and i think the last one is anything and everything that is technology that is like fun that they can use they can try something they haven't seen before they would actually try yeah so right. the other day i was i was in china and uh, a, a friend of mine was showing me the new thing. It's like, you know, those little drones that you buy for fun. So now yep. we have a ring that you put on your hand and you can control the drone with a ring. So you don't wow. need to use that remote control. You basically just wave your hands all around and then the <laughs> drone is flying. It's super crazy. Just think what can be done once this technology is perfected. So China is a great market for all of those things. Absolutely, and 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 what about the the pricing point and the consumer, uh, you know, attitude towards actually spending on premium products? I mean, that you just mentioned about uh, sort of first tier, uh, first tier city tourists are going to the exotic locations, so they're obviously okay spending. Even the second tier, if they're coming down to Hong Kong, you know, Hong Kong is not cheap, uh, so they <laughs> they have spending power, right? So overall, with this rising middle class, I mean, they. It seems like they 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 actually have quite a bit of spending power, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like second tier cities, there are um, I don't remember exactly, but basically over twenty second tier cities in China, right? Plus, uh, four first tier cities. So if you add them up, let's say thirty cities, um, the only difference between them pretty much is the uh, traditional ranking. Yeah, they fell into different categories, but in terms of earning power, they're almost the same. So second tier right. cities just have less options inside so offline retail yeah because they have less retailers there but in terms of online consumption they are driving more online consumption than first year cities by far and um, in general those guys have the money uh, for instance by 2020 um, I think it was in the McKinsey report they said by 2020 um, um, household um, disposable income is going to be 8,000 US dollars 8,000 US dollars. That's huge. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, I can, it's like first country levels, right? Yeah, yeah, for and, sure, for sure. And of course, people nowadays are spending, um, not saving. Yeah, so traditionally, China was saving a lot. Right now, they're spending. Another great indicator is actually the amount of transactions on WeChat, right? So we can see that the um, in the past two, three years, the amount that people are comfortable paying through WeChat, through a mobile payment system, has increased significantly. So it started from, let's say, $300 I'm comfortable spending in 2015 to $500 to right now people are comfortable spending up to $2,500 per transaction. So. Wow. Um, they can actually do that. And how that happened, there are many reasons. And, you know, people got used to mobile payments, this and that. But uh, WeChat also ran a series of campaigns to actually encourage people to spend more money and feel more comfortable with that and establish that trust. But all that indicates that people have the money. It's not that they spend those, you know, 300 US dollars every day, but they have the money and they're willing to spend it. And affordable luxury is 
you know, another huge, uh, huge category, which uh, can be anything really from, from, um, you know, outfit to uh, certain electronics, this affordable luxury um, is probably the right um, segment where we can place China right now. So they have the money, they wouldn't just spend it because, but they would spend it for something high quality that will last and will give them that experience that they're looking for. Right. So, um, so you just mentioned WeChat and obviously, uh, you know, WeChat pay, uh, the mobile payments in China, they basically leapfrogged the, the West and basically, you know, I mean, while the West was still kind of tinkering around on, on their computers and, and using PayPal and this sort of thing, China basically went straight into mobile payments. And now people don't even carry wallets anymore. And, uh, you know, in China, they just transact everything online uh, and mobily and they're very comfortable. And like you said, the, the amounts that they're spending is increasing. So um, it's, it's certainly uh, exciting and, and it's very nuanced. So, uh, you know, I want to just talk about Quickly, uh, you know, in your book, you 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 spend a lot of time talking about uh, both WeChat and Weibo, and mm-hmm. obviously, those are probably the the two large uh, large social media uh, you know networks that uh, that people are interacting on. Are these the two most important? And how does how do how does WeChat and Weibo integrate into a chi- Chinese person's life? Uh, differently than, say, uh, U.S. Facebook social media integrates into a U.S. person's life. Definitely. Um, so I spend a lot of time in the book talking about WeChat and Weibo primarily because they are the most well-known, right? So whenever we talk about China, if people know about it at all, then they say, okay, WeChat. Probably because when you travel abroad, you see this Alipay, you see WeChat Pay everywhere, you see the logos. I mean, just recently, a friend of mine told me that Gossip Girl, which is the, the, the TV show in the States, yep. right? Just recently, there was an episode where the girl was staring at her phone and somebody asked her, oh, uh, are you on like WhatsApp or something else? And the girl looked at her dad and said, we are on WeChat, dad. You're like, <laughs> like you're, you're so lost, so last century. So um, I think that slowly penetrating that slowly uh, makes the waves. Um, in China right now, there are two major camps, right? There's the Alibaba camp, the big yeah. uh, alliance, and there is a Tencent alliance. So the Tencent alliance, obviously, that's the company behind WeChat. That's the company behind uh, WeChat Pay and QQ. And uh, it's the company that invests heavily in gaming. And, you know, that's their major um, income generator. Right. And then Alibaba, they are investing uh, in Weibo and Weibo in turn invests into a lot of live streaming platforms. So there is definitely, you know, a battle there. So the two most popular platforms in mainland China and the most well-known are WeChat and Weibo. They are extremely different because WeChat is more like an operating system for life, right? right. That's that's something that you cannot survive in China without. Even if you're not on social media, you want to pay. You want to pay for your breakfast. You need to be on WeChat Pay. You know, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I came back from uh, from Shanghai, and I was there for over a week, and I survived literally, Jay, with zero Jaminbi. I had Amazing. only WeChat Pay with me, and that was it. So. From everything, from from uh, airport transfer to hotel payments to, uh, you know, buying uh, buying the bun on the street, it was all WeChat <laughs> Pay. And seriously, there are those street we- uh, vendors staying with QR codes, and you buy baked potato uh, through wow. scanning a QR code uh, from a carton box. It's super crazy. So that's what that's what it is right now. So. Um, 
while Weibo is more about the marketing and more about news spreading and more about, you know, viral stuff and uh, and hot topics and stuff like that. So the two roles that they are playing, uh, WeChat, as I said, it's the operating system for life. Whatever you want to book something, hail a taxi, you want to pay for something, you want to communicate with somebody. For example, you are at the business meeting. And in the West, we exchange business cards, right? In China, right. they look at you and they say, okay, can I scan your ID? That's right. So they, they want to connect with you through through uh, WeChat. And um, I think these are, you know, huge, huge uh, differences. And when we look at WeChat that most Westerners have on their phones, this is not the real uh, Chinese version, right? That's yes, the that's right. international uh, version of it. So that's why when foreigners look through that app, they say, you know what? I don't see anything uh, extraordinary. That's because you guys are not looking at the right app. <laughs> This and, is something I didn't know actually until I read your book. Actually, so right. I'm enlightened as well. And 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 so by the way, the one. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one that's like, what's the big deal with WeChat? Um, no, but by the way, to the audience, uh, Ashley's book goes extremely, extremely deep into uh, into into detail on on the various platforms. So it was eye opening for me because I didn't know a third or a quarter of the functionality that you you talked about actually so it was very enlightening for me actually thank you yeah yeah so yeah and and then Weibo is a very different platform so it's all about again it's all about the hot topics it's all about the news basically think about it as a news platform where a lot of bloggers, a lot of, uh, you know, media and government departments and ordinary users just share stuff, not like Twitter, really, um, not as spammy as Twitter, not, not as <laughs> short. Uh, it, it, it's still very visual because Chinese people are still, you know, visual. So there are nine pictures to attach. So it's like a, you know, Facebook plus Twitter plus a lot, a lot of other things like SlideShare, etc. And right. there is um, there are Instagram functions, so you can also create stories. So it is a great platform for marketing it's a great platform to share ideas to uh, get reposts to get a reaction from the audience and to also track what's hot in china right now like literally those hot topics are the like the, the pulse of everything and anything that's happening in china uh, and you can sort it by the region by the city so they are extremely important uh, those things are extremely important for marketers because if you're publishing an article or a post no matter on which platform be it your newsletter or your website or you know social networks you need to be um, on point with current happenings because if your topic is not linked to what's happening in China right now, it's going to be irrelevant and you're going to um, you know, lose a lot of audience. So um, yeah, completely different platform. So people go to Weibo, for instance, to, uh, you know, to follow bloggers. They go to Weibo to check out news. They go to win uh, freebies. For example, if you would like to wake up one Saturday morning and you want to get iPhone 10. I mean, in the West, you, you would never in a million years go somewhere online and try to participate in a campaign to win it. But you can't do that on Weibo. There is a special tab, which is called campaigns. And you go there and you, you literally search by price. So you say, I want to win iPhone X. And then all the campaigns that are currently running, yeah, uh, where the gift is iPhone uh, X, you are going to see that list and you're going to participate in them. And usually the rules are very simple. So people actually do that. So going back to your question, how, you know, how do people use social media differently in China and in the West? Well, in the West, we 
I mean, primarily we just instant message each other and we connect with our friends and we stalk our friends on social networks and share a couple of our pictures. In China, it's like instant messaging. There is daily moments. There is e-commerce. You can buy directly through WeChat, Weibo, through live streaming platforms. You follow celebrities. You follow news. So you you use it as a news platform. You use it as, I do not know, South China Morning Post or CNN. And it's crazy. Uh, You participate in campaigns. You use it as CRM, like as customer relations uh, management system because nobody in a million years in China would ever go to complain and call some hotline or send an email. <laughs> people, people go to your social network and that's it. Yeah, stuff gets real. Stuff gets real. It hits the fan and it gets really, really bored <laughs> and wide. And it, I mean, you better be there twenty four seven. That's right. Um, yeah. So the difference is so deeply rooted that before you experience that or before you really deep dive into it, it's it's hard to imagine. So would you say most uh, most of the population actually use both uh, WeChat and Weibo or is it is it skewed? Um yeah so everybody is using WeChat. Right. But not every so everybody with a with a, um, a smartphone device. You've got a smartphone, you've got WeChat. Right. But it doesn't mean that everybody uses WeChat as a um uh, yeah for social networking, right? right? Um in terms of Weibo, they have twice as little uh, users as WeChat, but they this is a platform for social networking. And uh, the user base is slightly different. So obviously on Weibo, it's slightly younger. On WeChat, you go cross generations. It's just everybody. And at the same time, China has tons and tons of other social platforms. There are more than 60 platforms, in fact. And Right. right now... Uh, live streaming platforms are huge. Short video platforms are huge. Um, there are those uh, viral news platforms. For example, a, a big one is called Kuaishou, uh-huh. which is called uh, Fast Hand or something like that. And it's basically like people can share their own news. They can document what's happening with them throughout the day. Right. And they can report. They can become reporters by themselves. And then there's tons of news, tons of stuff happening. So it's a little bit like when you visit that platform, it's a little bit like, you know, fake news portal. Right. But, but And that platform, for instance, going back to your question, that platform, for instance, is, is only popular in second and third tier cities, probably even closer to third tier cities. So everybody who lives in cool places doesn't want to touch it because, oh my goodness, it's so, you know, so spammy. Right. But, um, but that one is huge. It's one of the most viral platforms in China right now. And uh, yeah, that's, that's where it's at. That's very interesting. I want to talk about uh, some of the trends that you foresee in, in so Chinese social media in, in the coming years, maybe the next five to 10 years. Obviously, it's impossible to tell because there so, <laughs> it changes so quickly. But do you actually see sort of a bifurcation of just the two big players, uh, you know, Tencent, Alibaba dominating, uh, and then the, the bunch of fringe players, maybe a lot of them will be uh, weeded out? Or do you see uh, still room for maybe a number three, a number four, a number five player to come into that uh, ecosystem? Well, I definitely believe that 
um, as so, as as we uh, progress, as you know, young generations come up, they will need their own social media platforms, and completely new devices, completely new ways to connect and share their lives, and you know, be part of this digital world. So there will definitely be new things. Um, the other question is, who is going to own them? Just like right now, if you don't look and if you just uh, see the surface, you will probably not know that, again, Alibaba is investing in a lot of those social platforms, right? right? And WeChat is investing in others. Um, I, uh, but it's just like in the rest of the world, uh, you know, big companies always try to add uh, allies into their camps. Right. So in China, there there are two camps. There is Alibaba and Tencent, and I believe that it's not going to change significantly. There might be a rise of another company or two or three, but eventually I think they will still ally with one uh, or the other party, just like JD did, for sure. instance. JD, yep. uh, you know, uh, joined uh, forces with uh, Tencent and they jointly uh, recruited VIP shop. I mean, all those things are just happening. And you still remember the times when there were three players in the market. They used to call them BAT, right? Yep, so yep. Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent. So Baidu right now is just because they are not on the social media space, uh, let's say, a war map, and they're also not on this new retail 100%, which is the thing that's driving the whole the whole digital landscape of China. So that's why Baidu is right now losing a lot of grip on the on the on the market. They're still powerful in search, they're still powerful in, you know, in location-based services, etc. But we'll see what you know what's going to come up of it. So that's what I think. Um, in terms of the trends and more detailed trends, I think that we are about to uh, witness a huge revolution um, uh, of devices of virtual reality of the way consumers and marketing and sales are done mm -hmm. uh, retail is going to completely change um, I mean in the future for example let's take an example uh, as a consumer you have your you know you have your friends so you will be a micro influencer whenever you buy something or experience something you're going to be sharing it uh, in your circle and if people around you would want to experience that as well or purchase it both you and the other person will be rewarded. So the marketing dollar will not necessarily go to, you know, marketing companies and advertisers. It will also be shared among the users that helped you spread that information. And it's just like Airbnb, right? right. I invite a friend, he gets a discount, I get a discount. Um, and all that will be so seamless, the way you share your life and the way you share the way you share your experiences and what cake you ate today or where did you go or, you know, or, or where have you spent your holiday? All those things will be so uh, easy to share and so easy to upload and so easy to um, you know to 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 pass on. Um, there will be codes that that count it. It will be just fantastic. Again, I think technology in terms of hardware will also change. I cannot imagine that in ten years we're still using handheld devices, right. um, just because it's extremely inconvenient. I believe that a huge revolution is coming uh, into the virtual reality and augmented reality space, where we are going to see um, you know. Where we're going to see um, personalized uh, augmented reality uh, elements in our daily life 
yeah, that are again promoting um, services that we 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 need, we want that are making our life more entertaining. Right. So it's a little bit like Pokemon on the Pokemon Go, right. but for everything and anything. I mean, you could be you could be, for example, sitting on the MTR or you know driving your car, but your car will be driving you, and you're sitting there, and you can be watching a lecture of a professor through your let's say glasses or lenses or whatever it is, who is standing right in front of you and he's you know talking to you and you, you can be interacting with your friend real time and there will be this other professor who is talking to you i mean it's just crazy stuff and i've seen it uh, a couple of a couple of those things um you know at alibaba conference and i've seen a couple of those things coming up right now also to the great bay area and what tencent and uh, all other companies are investing in and it's really really exciting so social media is going to be definitely a huge part of all that but the way sales and retail and marketing is done is going to change significantly. So if you are in any of those industries, um, uh, I recently read a report by economists and they said that this um, sales and marketing is going to be the biggest, uh, the most disrupted industry with the rise of AI. And AI, of course, is powering all that. Right. It's so exciting, and and it's funny when you're when you were mentioning all those uh, those potential uh, scenarios. I I thought of all these sci-fi movies that we used to watch as kids. But then it's, all, <laughs> it's literally right around the corner. Like y- you'd be surprised at, at at what the technology is there. And like you said, you've seen a lot of it uh, out there. If you do visits, uh, you know, to certain incubators and labs and stuff like that, you actually see this stuff, and it's it's yeah. literally going to be here uh, sooner than you think. Um, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm in Jay. I was in the airport in Shanghai Airport a couple of weeks back, and a hologram greeted yes. me. Okay, a yes. hologram, and I still remember when we used to watch this, you know, Star Trek, and yeah, the hologram yeah, yeah, was just yeah. like, oh, absolutely, <laughs> it's so cool. Um, Ashley, dude, it's been so good. I mean, you've, uh, I, I don't want to give away too much of your book because I want my listeners to go and buy it because it, it has so much more uh, value. Uh, but I appreciate uh, you, you giving us a few uh, of the, uh, of the, of the, of the ma- major points. Um, I want to, uh, before we look to wrap up here, I want to just talk about uh, some of the things that you're working on professionally and, and or personally, but um, you know, you've, you've obviously, you have two, two companies and you have a bunch of, uh, of, 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 you're producing a bunch of content. What are you, what are you working on this year that you're, you're, you're most excited about anything you want to share with our audience specifically? Definitely. Um, So this year, as I mentioned, I'm focusing uh, a lot on uh, building expert status and personal brand and actually sharing all this information out. So I do a lot of public talks. Um, uh, I've got a website which is called ashleytalks.com where you can see what are the upcoming talks that I'm giving worldwide, um, primarily in Asia, but also in uh, the Middle East, in Europe and in the United States this year. Um, I have a YouTube channel and I recently started doing those uh, documentary videos, which are about 15 minutes long and I talk about my entrepreneurship journey. I invite people to talk about different things from technology to China to running a business in Hong Kong to, you know, female entrepreneurship Super and female quality, leadership. by the way. I, I watched a couple uh, of them and thank they're, they're you so- awesome. Very well done. <laughs> thank Very well done. you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so we have a professional crew doing that. I hope that by the end of the year, we are going to partner with platforms like Netflix or or related platforms to actually launch them, yes. you know, globally. So uh, that's also extremely exciting. Um, I started my podcast, which is called Ashley Talks. Right. And I also speak with people 
from around the world. They're not only from Asia. And I talk about things that I'm interested in. So I learn about storytelling or I learn about LinkedIn marketing or I learn about, you know, um, like lean in movement, this uh, women and entrepreneurship yes. movement in China. And uh, so super, super interesting guests. It's a great opportunity for me to also stay on top uh, of the topics that I'm excited about. Um, I'm writing another book. No That's, way. I think, the most... <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> give, me, give me another three and a half months, Jay. <laughs> you can write three books in the time. It only takes one person to write one. That's amazing. Uh well, I'm writing another book, and this time it's going to be um, it's going to be about uh, women leaders. Okay, great. And it's going to, yeah, it's going to be hopefully appeal to a much broader audience because with the first book, it's it's I think it's a great book, right? But again, not everybody is interested in China, sure. and not everybody is interested in you know launching and doing all those stuff. So it's it's definitely uh, great for the purpose. I mean, it's it's been a commercial success. It's been a, a success for our company. It's also propelled where I am now. I mean, people invite me, you know, to speak at huge events, and it's now paid gigs. And and all of awesome. a sudden, I'm the professional speaker. And suddenly, you know, Ted, uh, TEDx wants me to talk and all that stuff. But Amazing. I want to write a book that uh, that um, shares with the people what I've learned in the past five years running a business and how I see, um, you know, women now are actually not empowering each other, but focusing on the problem, not the solution, right? We have all those Me Too movements right. and Lean In movements. And while it's important to talk about certain uh, problems, I think we need to focus on the solution and focus on the good examples and, you know, the kick-ass women. That's and right. You know, be there. So that's what I'm going to write about. And I'm extremely excited about that. So hopefully within this year, um, I'm going to get more, in, you know, in front of more audience uh, physically, you know, through talks, through TV, through, you know, all these video uh, products and video programs, through podcasts, podcast, and of yeah. course, through a book. Awesome. Yeah. You're going to hit everything. Um, so <laughs> that's, a, that's a great segue into second to last question. Um, if you had one a piece of advice for a female entrepreneur right now in Asia, uh, that is starting out um, that maybe, you know, needs a little bit of guidance or, or just wants to springboard and maybe uh, skip a couple of steps ahead uh, and, and follow in your footsteps. What would that one piece of advice be? My one piece of advice for any woman or man, I don't, I don't care for who, but whoever <laughs> starts their own business, the one piece of advice is uh, start investing in your brand in your uh, like not the brand for your company but the brand for you mm -hmm. because no matter what you do later on no matter what kind of ventures you start uh throughout your life you're definitely going to change the directions or you're going to have multiple businesses so you need to invest in yourself and um if you have the person that you look up to be it tony robbins or gary v or uh you know adriana huffington doesn't matter see what have they done well um what was their journey and then copy that journey if you do exactly the things they did you are gonna arrive either there or 
you're going to shoot past them. Right. So seriously, just break down their success into achievable steps and go for it. So for example, if somebody you admire wrote a book, write a book. If somebody you admire started with a podcast, whatever, just do that. That's the first piece of advice. Put yourself out there. And I know that for a lot of women, it's more difficult. For men, you know, they have willpower. They say, okay, I'm going to do this. And for a lot of women, it's a lot more difficult because they constantly focus on, oh my goodness, what are others going to you know, right. say about this. Right. And it's very uncomfortable. I don't want to see myself on the media. I've been there before. Just just get away with your BS and just do it because nobody cares, really, especially when you're small. If you do if you if you do something wrong, if you say something wrong, nobody cares. When you become big and when you're out there, you know, talking to New York Times, then it's much more <laughs> complicated. So just do it. The earlier you start, seriously, that's the biggest and best investment that you can start from early on. So Start a side hustle when you have a job or while you're studying. Invest in your personal brand. Do pro bono things. Write a book. Start a podcast. No matter how small it is, just get out to those people, right, and do it. And the second piece of advice would be constantly, guys, and I mean it, constantly upgrade your peer group. So the peer group are people with whom you hang out all the time, uh, professionally or personally. And I, I see that here in Asia, that's like, that's absolutely not happening. Right. I mean, people, people stick with the people they worked five years ago, 10 years ago. I'm not saying that you shall ditch your old friends, no, stay friends, but you need to constantly upgrade. So if you are, you know, uh, an expert, uh, you need to be uh, as I call it, date up. So you need to reach <laughs> out to people two or three levels above you. For instance, you can have a podcast and then you can invite guests that are, you know, like two or three levels above you. That's like right. invite somebody like Jack Ma yeah. or I do not know, Tony Robbins or or uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I do not know. Invite them. Um, 10 out of, uh, you know, uh, nine out of 10 times they're going to say no, one will say yes. And that's a start. So constantly work on that because that is going to have a huge impact on where you are going to land in half a year from now. And nothing in life will propel you faster and further than these personal relationships, genuine personal relationships with those exciting, powerful people that you need to be building. And that needs to be a daily exercise. That's right. I, I 100% I, I will echo and agree with and you. And you, Kim, you, you, I mean, uh, Jay, uh, Jay, you are the, uh, again, an example, right? You've got a fantastic network of fantastic people and they impact you, absolutely. right? Am I right? Or 100%. Not? They, absolutely. They they push you to be better. They show you what's possible. And if you hang out with people that are not there, that are just supporting you or bragging all the time, that's just not going to happen, that's right. right? That's right. So surround yourself. You have fantastic network. That's why you are where you are. Absolutely. 100%. And you have to, you know, there's that entrepreneur saying that says life begins at the end of your comfort zone or something like that. You know, I mean, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it's not, you know, like it, it, you're... You no, definitely not. There, yeah. you know, I get scared a lot of times. I still get nervous when I'm interviewing. You know, before I hit record on the podcast or I'm pitching a, you know, a big game, <laughs> I still, I still feel it every single day. But you know, that sort of fear is what kind of keeps you going, and you know that you're growing because you're you're stepping outside your comfort zone. Uh, Ashley, it's been exactly. so good. What is the the last question? Is where's the best place people can find you, follow you, connect with you, or learn more about what you're doing? 
Yes. So uh, follow me on uh, Instagram. I'm now investing a lot of my time yes. on Instagram. It's Ashley.Lina, L-I-N-A. So Ashley.Lina, uh, or you can just Google Ashley Talks. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn if you want to connect through a professional network. So you can just um, check out uh, my name, Ashley Galina Dudarinok. Um, and uh, yeah, if you want to check out what I do, um, go to the website, ashleytalks.com. I'd be very, very happy to receive your message at uh, the email that's provided there on the website. Fantastic. And if you are a company listening in that needs Ashley's help, then you can find her at Ellery's, I guess? Yeah, ellery's.com.hk or chosan.co. Awesome. We'll get that all linked up. And uh, we are doing a book giveaway. Thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, Audience, check the show notes. I'll have a link there for the book contest uh, giveaway and uh, it'll be running for a couple of weeks. So make sure you check that out. Ashley, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure as always. And I wish you the best of luck. Uh, obviously, you don't really need it, <laughs> but I can't <laughs> wait to I can't wait to see uh, all the amazing stuff that you come out with. Your next speech, your next talk, your next book, your next vlog, uh, your next podcast. Uh, it's awesome. So keep on rocking. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you very, very much for having me here. And many, many, many thanks to the audience, guys. Love you all. Go get them. <laughs> all right. Take care now. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.